Hey everyone, thank you for downloading this episode of The Final Third. We have an amazing show for you guys today. We talk about Christian Pulisic, whether or not we should be worried about his time, lack of time, under Thomas Tuchel in Chelsea. We also talk about West Ham United. Why are they doing so well? And if they could continue their momentum going into the later parts of this season. But before we get to any of that, according to our podcast statistics, most of our listeners aren't actually following us on their platform of choice. So if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever, hit that follow button. Just do that. You're not going to regret it. I promise you. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show. Do it. It's free. You get to hear more of our uh, takes and analysis. We go really in-depth on there, and it's a great time. So yeah, follow us on here, wherever you listen to us, and also on Instagram and Twitter. All right, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Final Third my name is Adrian Tabura, everyone's favorite Minnesota United, West Ham United, and United States national team fan. I'm joined by Jack. Yep, and I'm a fan of Chelsea, Atalanta, the French national team, and uh, Minnesota United. Yeah, almost forgot your own hometown yeah, team there, Jack. Unfortunate, unfortunate. But yeah, if you're already listening to this and you're not following us on Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you listen to your podcasts right now, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go ahead and do that. Join the the final third bandwagon that we're starting. We're getting a lot of great growth, and we're just excited to excited to continue this journey with you, Jack. Anything else to add? Uh, nope, nothing else to add except also check out the Twitter. I plug it every time. Final yeah. third show. <laughs> Yeah, Check it yeah out. of course. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Forgot to ha- even mention the handle at final third show. We're back to posting there all the time now that at least for me, midterms is clearing up. I think, Jack, do you have any other midterms? We got one on Friday, but that one is open note at least. So, OK, open yeah. note, open note. That's always a uh, those are my two favorite words in the in the English language. <laughs> They're great words. Yeah, we're, we're recording this on a Tuesday. And we're going to get into the, the other topics first, but we just recorded this on Tuesday. And I have to mention the Juventus and Porto game that happened. Literally, it just finished maybe 40 minutes before we started recording. Uh, ended up finishing on aggregate 4-4. Porto going to winning on away goals. Jack, how do you feel about that match that just happened? Uh, as, as an Atalanta fan, I hate Juventus. So uh, it's a great Great time. And also, a Chelsea loanee was part of that win, so that was good to see. Uh, Malayne Sar played pretty well on the uh, left-hand side of the defense, and it was a really fun game to watch. I think it's probably in the running for the best Champions League tie, both legs overall, in that I've ever seen, at least. That you've ever seen? That, that It's in the running for it. It's in the running. Okay, in the running, in the running. That's, that's top 50 for sure. I don't know. That's probably not, not that impressive. <laughs> it's, it's less than 50. It's probably in the top five, I'll say. Top five? Okay. For me, I'll say top it's 25. I don't know. I've seen a lot of Champions League games. Okay. No, I, I, can't, okay. I can't quantify that. But I don't know, man. I, I, I'm kind of a, a sucker for, for large teams doing well. I, I, I'd like to see Weston McKenney and Cristiano Ronaldo do well. It's, it's still fun to watch. But I will admit that seeing Porto in the quarterfinals is going to be a lot of fun even if a mexican team uh mexican player is going to be in that quarterfinal and not weston mckinney unfortunate uh but with that let's move on to talking about another american player we're gonna be talking about christian pulisic we're gonna be asking if we should be worried about christian pulisic both as a u.s men's national team fan which i am and or as a chelsea fan which jack is we're also going to be talking about What's going on with West Ham? I'm a West Ham fan, so obviously I'd love to talk about this, but I'm not just bringing it up because I just want to talk about West Ham. West Ham have been doing historically well and been capturing the hearts and minds of every warm-blooded person on the planet. Wouldn't you agree, Jack? No, but fine. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) For your sake, I'll I'll, I'll say sure. (laughs) Okay, well, 
they have been in the news because they have been highly, highly overachieving this season. So we're going to talk about why that is and if they can maintain that momentum. But first, let's talk about Christian Pulisic. You know, Christian Pulisic hasn't been playing that much under new Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel, only playing 217 out of 990 available minutes, only has one start in the cup, zero in the league, uh, only had one assist during this window of time since uh, the new manager came in, and a lot of sub appearances. Jack, right off the bat, what are your feelings on Christian Pulisic's situation at your favorite team, Chelsea? Well, I think a lot of people are saying, you know, he needs to move and stuff like this. But I honestly don't believe in that kind of thing at all. I think that he's doing well for Chelsea. And the reason why uh, he's not playing, I think Tuchel's rationale for why he's not always starting is pretty good. And also, given the system that he plays, makes a lot of sense. And I I mean, I just, just for an overview, I think that... Overall, it makes sense why he's not playing as much, but uh, AJ, why don't you give a quick overview? Like, do you think you should be concerned as a U.S. men's national team fan? Yeah, so so you as a Chelsea fan are are, are not too worried as it oh, is no, currently. Just not, he, not at all. Yeah, because he doesn't fit the system. And, and that's, that's something that's been very well parroted. I, I think what Chelsea, Chelsea kind of going with wing backs instead of traditional wingers, is that correct? And having like... Right, yeah, a, they're a, going... Going with yeah, two go wingbacks. Going with two wingbacks. Uh, or left mid, left and right mids. It depends. It's more wingbacks, but they tend to play five at the back. Yeah. Yeah, and they have they have uh, a front three of usually, always, always Mount, usually uh, Timo Werner, Havertz, sometimes Ziyech. And so th- that's obviously hard to fit in to. As a U.S. men's national team fan, I am... I wouldn't say that I'm worried. I'm more so cautiously concerned, which I I, I guess is the a, a synonym for worried. But but it, it's it's a lot less of me actively worrying about his club situation, and more and more just wondering what's going to happen. I think no matter what happens, whether he moves or doesn't move, it's going to be fine. But the bottom line is, and I think we might be able to agree on this, is that we there's still a lot of waiting and seeing. We're still you know, two months removed from the end of the season. We're still only six months removed from his breakout a uh, couple of months in Project Restart with the Premier League. And it's not exactly like Thomas Tuchel is necessarily against him. Uh, this, this quote has been going around a lot uh, on Twitter where he commented on Pulisic's lack of playing time, saying, quote, I know how good he is and what an impact he can have in 20 to 30 minutes. It is my responsibility. It is a bit unfair, as I know how good he is. He was a bit unlucky in the last games, so no lack of trust, no lack of quality. We have another guy like him in Emerson who does not play but trains at the highest level. Basically saying is that he trusts Pulisic to come off the bench and... uh, even though he's not getting any minutes, that's not to say that he is without quality. Jack, what do you think about that quote? Is Thomas Tuchel, does he actually believe in him, or is this just lip service? Well, of course he believes in him. I mean, he he was the person who gave him his senior debut. Uh, I mean, you, you, you have to remember that he knows Pulisic as a player. He's known him for several years now, for four or five years and because of that, he has a really good understanding of the kind of qualities he brings. He's great at running. He has a lot. He has a great engine, great acceleration on him, and he has good close control. And I think that his quote, I think he's right in the tactical assumption there that that kind of mo- that kind of movement that he can provide in the last 20 to 30 minutes of a game can be huge because it kills games off because as the back line of the other team is tired you're bringing on a player who can run in behind who can provide just endless energy and just bomb forward at a moment's notice and you we've seen this in several in several games like uh against atletico madrid a few weeks ago where he didn't score or assist 
He came on at the 70th minute and, you know, he, he made great runs throughout it. He almost got on the end of a cross and he also, he was basically bullying the back line and kept winning fouls off of them. And he was winning fouls in the midfield and he helped see out that game. So he has a lot of good quality in that. And I think that Tuchel is trying to also integrate him back in given the injury problems, because the last thing that should be happening is you know he comes in and plays 90 minutes every single time and then just gets another hamstring injury and is out for another six months because that has been a danger several times and has happened several times so Uh, i was actually just gonna just ask about that because you you brought up that his ability to be kind of a super sub he was a he was a, a 70 million plus euro uh, purchase is that really something that you want to be coming off the bench maybe not 70 million I don't, I don't even it was a lot of money uh to be fair is that someone you want to have come off the bench in 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 the the far long-term future or or is this more just uh injury precautions do you think well i i don't think this is like his his i don't think his role is going to be as this forever as, as uh you might remember around the beginning of february he had uh he he was leaving uh the uk i believe for a family for family reasons for a few weeks and then yeah. uh he also picked up a few knocks in training so i think that a lot of it right now is reintegration and injury and stuff like that uh and I, I think I don't think this will be a permanent type thing. I am guessing that he'll probably start to play a lot more as an attacking mid than he would be as like say a winger because he doesn't really fit the wing back role like uh, Hudson Adoy does, for example. Like uh-huh. Hudson Adoy fits a wing back role well, but Pulisic not as much because his defending isn't as spot on as some other options, but. I think what happens is soon enough we'll we'll see Pulisic get a lot more playing time because my guess is Ziyech is going to be gone over the summer. Really? It's clear he's not yeah, it's clear he's not really fitting in the system. Uh Tuchel doesn't seem to rate him. He seems to rate him less more of the time, honestly, than Pulisic because he almost never <laughs> talks about Ziyech at all. Well Zie- and, uh, Ziyech is starting and uh, Pulisic is not, so does he actually not trust Ziyech? I don't know, because I'm not a Chelsea fan, so I, I guess you I, could speak to that more. I think so, because a lot of a lot of things, what I've been hearing from some Chelsea fans is a lot of the things that Tuchel's doing, like starting Kepa randomly against Newcastle uh, and uh, stuff like that, is a lot about bringing value back to some of those players, because, really? you know, okay. like Kepa, for example, that that's not, they, they don't want to keep him around for too much longer. And it seems pretty clear that they want to move on from him. So trying to give them minutes is more about keeping value to sell them later because Chelsea are very unwilling to try and take a loss on things like they even sold Alvaro Morata for a profit like that. That's that. That's impressive. So, I mean, you, you can look at those kinds of things. And I think what they're trying to what he's trying to do is. He, he wants Pulisic to be part of this system, but as of right now, there's a lot of other things that go on. Like, the board wants him to do certain things that he has to take into account, but I, I think that that's where some of the confusion comes in. But, you know, I again, I'm all looking at this from an outside perspective, and just knowing what I know about how Chelsea's board seems to work, that that's my guess as to how this plays out in the right. long term. And... When he eventually starts to hopefully come back, reintegrate with the squad in a starting role or at least uh, a heavier role off the bench, who who does he displace? You know, we we have a a pretty good blueprint for Chelsea's front three in Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, and Mason Mount. Who do you take off in favor of Christian Pulisic? Well, that's the big issue that I was that I've been thinking about when 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 yeah. preparing for this because like, you know, you don't really, I mean, especially after Kai Havertz's performance uh, yesterday against Everton, like that was an incredible performance and it shows that when he's fit, 
when he's able to link up with uh, with players, he he can do really well. And Mason Mount, you know, he 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 was benched for the first time uh, since the opening day of mm-hmm. or the opening game of Tuchel's uh, kind of stay so far as Chelsea boss, and it. it it's tough to displace those two, especially after Kai Havertz like just seized this opportunity immediately and was like, yep, I'm going to run with it. My first start under Tuchel, I'm going to run with it. And that's what happened. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing the thing that happens is based off of the game you're looking at and based off of fitness, you could potentially play Pulisic as a false nine or as an attacking mid and have Havertz as the nine because Havertz... Seem to seems to play okay in that role. All right, so 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 you're kind of you're kind of predicting that the way that he gets in is through a lot of fluidity in selection for the top three. So yeah, uh, so it, it, it's not necessarily that he he slots in directly in replacement of someone, but rather a change of system or due to some fitness concerns with other players. Okay, I can. I, I can definitely I can definitely see that. I will say that I I have also been thinking about this. I think just like you, the main thing that's keeping me back from really trusting in Christian Pulisic's ability to come back is the people in front of him. A, a, a lot of U.S. men's national team fans, particularly in Twitter, which is where uh, the the hottest of takes occur <laughs> with uh, with U.S. men's national team players. They all think that the Chelsea front three is dog water. They'd rather take like, they'd rather take the Guyanese front three over the Chelsea front three if 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 uh if Christian Pulisic's not playing. But the, we have to admit, as both of a Chelsea fan and a U.S. Men's National Team fan, that Christian Pulisic has not been playing the best this season. Christian Pulisic had eleven goals and ten assists in all competitions last year, playing especially well during Project Restart when we came back from the coronavirus break. And he was one of Chelsea's best player, if not the best player in the latter half of last season. This season, only two goals and one assist. Yes, there were a lot of injury concerns. Yes, there was a lot of manager turnover, different players coming in, of trying to fit in. But at the same time, we have some pretty positive movement out of that front three, Kai Havertz and Mason Mount, not so much Timo Werner, but those players have been at least kind of showing what they can do. And Christian Pulisic, to his credit, has been playing pretty well, killing games off, having good runs, but still not adding as much as he did last last year. And so, Jack, I, I'm, I'm asking you this. Not so much to like, like you want him to move on, but if you're just looking at this from a, a cost perspective, would you rather try to to wiggle him into the system, knowing that you have a lot of of high salary, high transfer fee players in front of him, or would you like to try to make a profit off him or at least recoup some of your money by moving him elsewhere? I think you absolutely keep him in be for the system because uh, a few things that I'm thinking about going into the future for Chelsea looks like Tammy Abraham might be on his way out potentially to West Ham. I've heard uh, this summer. I've, I've also heard of that. So I I don't know how I feel about that, but I, I I've always liked him. I, I liked him when he was uh, with Swansea. I, I liked him when he was with Chelsea. With Villa uh, as well, he that that's the other link potentially Villa or West Ham apparently. Oh well, I don't want him to go to Villa, so I guess we'll have to <laughs> I know, take yeah, him. yeah. But, and so so Tammy Abraham is potentially out potentially, so. and then hmm. like Giroud, is, I I love him. He's my favorite player, uh, but he's getting he's getting up there in age, and you know that you know he he signed a one year extension last year. He might get offered another one year extension this time, but how much longer is he going to stay around as like a prominent first team player? It it's it's debatable. So Pulisic, I could see kind of staying around to take up a mantle of being in that attacking force for the long term, because it seems like, you know, he's trusted more than a lot of other forwards who barely like who have stopped getting in the team altogether, like Tammy Abraham. 
ever since uh, it was against Newcastle, I believe. Right. Uh, where Giroud scored like right after he got subbed on for him. And ever since then, Tammy Abraham hasn't been in a squad. Uh, and it's not due to injury. He's uh, Tuchel said he's been fit. So it's clear that, you know, like Pulisic is trusted more because he gets in the squad. And I think that Tuchel wants him for the long term. And, you know, I, I think that that's probably the right decision because he can be very good when he when he's fit. And I think just integrating him in in these small bits is a really good way to make sure he maintains fitness. All right, cool. So as a Chelsea fan, Jack, you you'd like to keep him because you think that he can uh, still reintegrate into the squad. You think that he has something to add. You think that Tom Stuckel does actually trust him at least more than poor Tammy Abraham, I suppose. Uh, he is one of the only one of four players to not start at all a league game for Thomas Tuchel, along with Emerson, Gilmore, and uh, Caballero. 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 I should have known. I should have known. <laughs> but to, to me, that isn't exactly the worst thing in the world. That's not, not, that's not the same opinion that a lot of U.S. men's national team fans hold. There's a lot of panic within the fan base about Christian Pulisic. A, not starting, and B, not playing his best when he does actually get some minutes. And the way that I see it, when we ask, does this actually matter for the U.S. men's national team? Because, let's be honest, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, it doesn't matter for Chelsea. If Chelsea's winning, it, Christian Pulisic can not be playing with the U23s for all that matters. But for the, for the national team... I feel like we as fans call for transfers way too easily and we don't let the player play through the rough patch. We immediately want to take the easier route in terms of how the players deal with things. And so, yeah, Christian Pulisic has 10 bad games, a 10 bad game run. I mean, so what? That's 10 bad games out of the 38 in the season. Like there's there's still plenty of time for him to try to get back into the squad and play well. There's also, Jack, and I've talked about this before with you, there is no agenda against Christian Pulisic. Can you confirm that? Can you confirm that Thomas Tuchel doesn't, in fact, want Christian Pulisic to fail and become homeless? (laughs) I mean, I can't can't say, like, for a fact that that I know Tuchel's intentions, but I'm pretty sure that it's not to, like, freeze him out of the squad or the team because... You know, he's been in almost every match day squad. He just hasn't been starting. Yeah. So, yeah. Thomas I, Tuchel wants Chelsea to win. And he needs them to win because after Frank Lampard came in and kind of uh, kind of led them astray towards the end of his managerial career, uh, he career. has a career. Okay. <laughs> career with Chelsea. Okay. He's, he's probably going to get another job. I was going to say a bit harsh. Yeah, well, you know, you know, he left West Ham all those years back. I still hold a grudge, whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he, he being uh, Thomas Tuchel, has very small margins in order to succeed. Like he needs to win in order to right the ship that is Chelsea. And so, if a system is working, and the players that he's choosing for those system is working, and his strategy of keeping Christian Pulisic on the bench and having him come in the last 20, 30, 10, 5 minutes is working, then he has to keep doing that. Because he needs to win, and obviously it's working. Like, like U.S. men's national team fans keep on bringing up, like, oh, their attack is like, is like really, really bad, and Kai Havertz and Ziyech are too bad, and you're like, okay. But they beat Liverpool, they beat Atletico Madrid, they beat Manchester United. Well, they, they drew Manchester United, but... They drew... Okay, yeah, it was a pretty boring draw, right? I remember <laughs> that. The, the, the point is, they've been, they haven't been continuing. They have been keeping clean sheets. They have been having very, very positive results in all competitions. Not only should Thomas Tuchel not change a system just because Christian Pulisic... Uh, should start according to USMNT fans. But it's it's actually working. It's actually working. So there there is nothing to complain about 
in terms of Thomas Tuchel. It reminds me of uh, Saeed Benrama with David Moyes in West Ham. Algerian fans are just, if not more, just excitable when it comes to national team players as U.S. fans. And when Ben Rama came in, it was a lot of a lot of buzz and they got completely upset when he was coming off the bench for the first couple of games. Well, for those first couple of games, West Ham were on amazing form, winning like five in a row. And so the, like, the question is, like, do you do you upset what you have currently just to bring on a player who may or may not bring even better results? And the answer is, if it's working do it if it's not broke why why fix it and uh just just to end off on this 10 games won't make or break his career whether he moves or doesn't move in the long run it doesn't really matter we as national team fans we view our players like club players too much we we get too much into like the game by game instead of the long month by month uh scope that we should really be looking at if we can say that Christian Pulisic, even though he's not playing, has still improved as a player compared to last year, then the season's going to be a success. In some way or the other, it's going to be seen as a success. Because him missing a chance in one game for Chelsea isn't going to get us to the World Cup. Him improving as a player and showing up during national team games is. And Jack, do you have anything else to add before I get into maybe possible moves for him before we move on to the next topic? Well, I mean, you mentioned how thin the margins are for Chelsea managers, and yeah. I'm just reminded by Roberto Di Matteo, who got sacked after winning the Champions League with Chelsea. Exactly. Like, it, it doesn't matter, like, whatever you pull off. You, if you're if uh, the club doesn't think you're consistent enough, it's over. And yeah. another thing I just want to say, just to attest to how well Pulisic has been doing, is... Uh, any Chelsea fan, or probably a lot of Premier League fans, just know that last season, the most often time where Chelsea conceded goals was in the last 15 minutes of play. They conceded so many so many leads, so many draws. They, they dropped so many points from those last few minutes of games because they didn't have anyone on the bench who could come on and kill off games. Now this season, we see Pulisic like, coming off the bench, making runs, tiring out the defenders, and you know chipping in an assist here and there, and, uh, and potentially getting chances, creating them at points. And you see that there's a clear difference. We're not conceding goals like in that, in that time period anymore. We're, we're still we're keeping clean sheets, a lot, of, a lot of which is attributable to not like, giving up these chances because... Yeah because Pulisic has been doing so well. And I think, you know, like you said, you can't just look at game time and you also can't just look at goals and assists. Even if right. they're not making getting exactly. goals and assists, exactly. if they're contributing in a positive way that improves the team as a whole, they're advancing. And Pulisic checks those boxes. I, I agree. And many fans, and to a certain oh. degree me as well, I... I appreciate the fact that he's killing games off. I would still like for him to get more playing time and and maybe expand his his playing ability past like the the kind of the the kind of strategy you have to play in those last couple minutes cuz cuz you know, let's be honest, when the game's at a neutral 0-0 to start off the game, you you have to be in a different role in terms of Christian Pulisic than the role of killing the game off in the last 15 minutes. So I'd like to see that. And so would a lot of fans. And so would, apparently, according to the Daily Mail, so take this with a huge grain of salt, Man United, Bayern Munich, and Liverpool, who are alert with Christian Pulisic's unhappiness at Chelsea. Uh, To be fair, there were actual rumors of him going to Bayern Munich. But Jack, as a Chelsea fan and casual U.S. fan, which one of those teams do you think could use Pulisic the most? And which team would you have the least sadness in your heart to see him move to? Oh, well, I, I, I dislike all of those clubs. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean... They, you, 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 you could, you could uh, do option D. You, you could uh, do other and well, pick one. That's I mean, fine. Out of those ones, I, I don't know what 
the utility of them getting Pulisic would do. I mean, like, for Manchester United, you have Rashford on the left wing, who is doing really well. Like, he's consistently one of the best players for Manchester United, and also one of the best, arguably, in Europe, one of the best youngsters in Europe. So, I mean, it doesn't make sense for them to be getting Pulisic because he would just be a bench player even more then because he's not he's probably not going to be starting over Rashford most of the time. And then uh for Liverpool displacing they have Mane and Diogo Jota on the left who 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 both play uh, on that position. So there there's not really a use for him there either. And then also they don't play with an attacking mid. They play a a straight 4-3-3 or well maybe like uh they they play with like two CDMs and a box to box midfielder. They don't play with any, like, Pulisic wouldn't get into the midfield there. So, honestly, I think out of those, Bayern would be the best fit because of one reason, and it's that Thomas Muller can't keep playing at the level he is forever. And, sure. you know, a lot of Bayern's success runs through that successful midfield role. Uh, you know, a lot of that creativity in that role, what Thomas Muller has provided is what has shaped the identity of Bayern Munich for so long. He's getting up there, and I think that Pulisic would fit in pretty well there. And, you know, uh, Muller doesn't start every game anymore, so it would it would make sense to kind of, like, have him have him in there to potentially be a a, a utility player, kind of a support player. But that that's my take on, on that. What, what do you think, AJ? I would... I would... I think, actually, he could make a break in Liverpool. Okay. I think I think Jurgen Klopp obviously knows him. He played under Klopp back in Dortmund. I think he I think he actually does have a chance to break into the the first team, like the starting lineup and and at least some games to start off with and he can potentially make a make a statement and g- get up there. I also think that's the case for Bayern Munich. Man United, I don't even know where that uh where, where that came from i i would not like to see him at man united i don't want to have to cheer for man united at all i'd rather cheer for those two teams but you know that, that that's my take i i think i think what you said was like was true when you say he's going to be a bench player no matter what probably if he goes to those teams and i i think that really speaks to it's going to be hard no matter where you go because you're playing at big level clubs unless he goes down to like a I don't know, a buyer Leverkusen, he's going to have to fight for minutes and it's going to be tough. I, I don't think a lot of national team fans really understand that once you're at this level, there's no magical bullet that will get you to a bigger club, which will just right. hand you minutes. You know, Weston McKenney is an exception, not the rule. And so, Jack, give me the final verdict. A, should we be worried about Christian Pulisic? And B, should he stay or should he well, move? Go. I mean, I, I don't think you, sh- you should be worried at all. Uh, just as like a casual U.S. men's national team fan. No, not a chance. He, he's developing. He's a young guy. He, he's had injury problems and he can overcome adversity. And that's exactly what's needed for his development. And should he stay or go? I think stay because I think the best chance he has of breaking into a starting lineup out of the teams that are supposedly interested in him would be just to stay at Chelsea because, you know, all it takes is like an injury to one forward or one midfielder and he's in. So I, I think that he should absolutely stay at Chelsea. Yes, I'm going to have to, for my final verdict, I'll have to say Christian Pulisic, we should not worry about him at, 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 at all, really. I think if he has a, another long-term injury... Then you worry about him, not for his club status, but for his actual injury proneness. Uh, and should he stay or should he move? It doesn't matter. It's going to be hard no matter where he goes. So if it was up to me, I'd have him stay at Chelsea. But if he moves, I'm not going to cry. If he stays, I'm also not going to cry. And so that's Christian Pulisic. I think we covered that great. Let's move on to our second topic. We're staying in England. We're going to another London team. We're going to West Ham United, my favorite team, the team that I've been following in the Premier League since I really, really started watching them back in the 2015-16 season. 
the question is, what's going on with West Ham? It, there's something in the London water that's taking all the talent from Arsenal, Tottenham, and Chelsea and putting into to East London with West Ham United. They're currently fifth many times in the season. Well, not many times, like twice. They're fourth in the league. They're at 48 points in 27 games with a game in hand with, to, the, to the top four. And they are above the likes of Spurs, Liverpool, and Arsenal. And 538 puts them at a 25% chance to finish top four and a 75% chance to at least finish top seven. Those numbers might be a little bit more optimistic than even I would be. But it's crazy because they were fighting relegation last year, coming down to the wire in the final match days. And even in during this season, in the early parts of the season, fans were protesting because the ownership of West Ham and Golden Sullivan, they, they were notorious for not investing in the team. And in the past summer for this, this season, they were completely mismanaging the team. They were selling players that many fans thought would be the future of this team. And they were refusing to really invest in the team. They actually, I, I think this is true, that they are one of the only owners to charge interest for the loans that they put into the oh club. God. So if they put in like seven, <laughs> yeah, Jack's face falling right now. If they put in $7 million into the club in order to, I don't know, buy a new training center, when, when they, when they, take that money out they're like all right now you owe us seven million five hundred thousand so so they're really using this as a way to make a profit and there were tons of fans protests you know rightfully so uh to be fair but we, many people thought we'd be fighting relegation because we didn't actually bring in any quality players and it's it's pretty true we have a track record of not being that great being mediocre to very bad our highest league position in the past 10 years was 7th, and our highest in the Premier League in the Premier League history was 5th back in 98-99. They're not used to success. West Ham is not used to success, especially after moving to the new London Stadium, which does not have the same atmosphere and kind of fortress attitude as the old bowling grounds used to have. And yet, since Project Restart, West Ham have been on a tear this season. They have the third highest non-penalty expected goals, lower than only City and Liverpool, and the seventh lowest non-penalty goals uh, expected goals against, which, you know, slightly worse than the other top five teams like Chelsea and Leicester and City, but, you know, still, still really, really, really good. Something to be proud of, something that's been away from the norm. And so with that, I want to ask Jack, because Jack is obviously not a West Ham fan. So he's looking at this from the outside as just any other Premier League fan. Jack, what are your impressions of West Ham? Are they are they impressing you? And from an outside's perspective, what do you think is causing such overachievement in this team? Well, you know, they are pretty impressive. And uh, I think one of the things that really helps them is something that I wish my club did a lot more, which is have faith in a manager. Yeah. Uh, they like, uh, you know, it could have been really easy last season after a disappointing finish. Like I think what was it? Uh, 17th that they finish in or 16th, like right on the edge of the relegation zone. Yeah. 17th, uh, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, it would have been so easy. 16th, but yeah, go yeah ahead. it, it would have been just so, so easy to sack David Moyes there. And in fact, like if it was Chelsea, if they finished that, I mean, the manager would have been gone long before that, but it does. It doesn't matter how soon they would have been appointed; they would have been sacked immediately. So, but actually giving him time to create a system, to impart his philosophy on the team, to get them playing how he wants them to play, it's helped them a lot. And it it's clear that every game they go into, he seems to have a plan. And even even when it doesn't go the way he wants it to. He has the plan still that that's and I think that's what yeah. matters a lot. And honestly, like it, it doesn't matter if you bring in all of these great players. What matters is the manager's ability to create a system like I mean, Chelsea and West Ham like are perfect examples of this, honestly, like Chelsea under Frank Lampard, no system. <laughs> and they did terrible despite spending 200 million pounds. Uh, West Ham spent I, I mean, you probably know this number better than me, but I'm guessing 50 million in total. Uh, 
because they it's, it's not a lot. Let's let's just they, say yeah, they, that much. they bought Suchek, um, Sufal and uh, Ben Rama, I think. Am I missing anyone in that? Uh, big players. Let me check. But th- those were like, the, I think, the, the big yeah, players for this I past think, season. I think those are the big ones. And like in terms of purchases, we have yeah. some more loans. But yeah, right. But like, you know, those those players don't I, when you first look at it, it doesn't stand up to like Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Hakim Ziyech, Ben Chilwell, uh, yeah. Tiago Silva, Eduardo Mendy. Like it, it seems like a huge gulf. But the fact of the matter is one of the coaches at the beginning of the season had plans and had a system in mind and that and they they executed it how how they wanted it to be done and david moyes has reaped the benefits from that so i honestly think a lot of the credit goes not necessarily just to individual players because you know player a lot of players have been doing really well for them but just david moyes doing very well as a manager but uh that's that that's my outside perspective on it aj as a uh, as a fan for five or six years of West Ham. What, what do you think it is that makes this team so much different than the, than the teams of the past? Well, let me first tap my finger on my nose because you got it right on the nose. A lot of this has to be with David Moyes and our, our belief in him. I'll have ever, all of our listeners remember that West Ham United actually used to have David Moyes as a manager even before this current stint he was he saved us from relegation in the 2017 and 18 season but he was then mutually uh, mutually departed the club and we brought in Manuel Pellegrini because we thought that he was the the man to to really lead us I mean Manuel Pellegrini he 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 managed the likes of River Plate Real Madrid Manchester City so we thought that a, a big name manager who attracted big name players like Lanzini, Fornals, and Sebastian Allaire towards the, towards the end and a lot of other players I'd like to probably forget. Ooh, I, I just remembered some. I'm not going to I'm not going to mention all of them, but I was just like, "Oh, yeah, yikes." But we 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 didn't stick with Moyes even though he he set us up to to survive relegation. And we brought in Manuel Pellegrini who had a system that didn't fit West Ham. Who spent, like Jack said, a lot of money on big name players who we thought were going to be the ones to save us because we spent so much money on them. And it just didn't turn out that well. But now we have David Moyes, who has a system. We actually gave him time, and he's introduced great tactics. Our back five to start the season off solidified our defense, which in the past was very, very porous. And we played a very well a very, very good uh, kind of soak up pressure and counterattack kind of style. And he, he's a no-nonsense guy. If we're winning, he doesn't overthink it, and he keeps the same lineup. Kind of same with Thomas Tuchel with uh, not including Christian Pulisic. You know, if it's, not, if it's not broke, then why fix it? And he's managed to get the most out of players that people were looking past. Cresswell, Masasuku, uh, Diop, Fornals, Antonio. He's managed to help them find form, and that's huge. Why spend, you know, 20, 50 million pounds on a new left back when Moyes can just turn Cresswell into prime Maldini? And in a way, you know, he Cresswell, like that's like the big story of this season in terms of players that he has got back into prime. He's got seven assists on the season, which I believe is the most in the Premier League for a a fullback. Like it's it's insane what he's been able to do. He's, he's been able to get our defense just really, really firing because of him getting the most out of players that we already have. And like Jack was saying, he's gotten the transfers completely right. Our ownership is terrible because they don't invest. So Moyes had to make smart loans and he went towards championship players. He went towards youth and he went towards smaller leagues across Europe that people don't really look at. He's literally been playing Moneyball but with a Premier League team, and it's working. Suchek was originally alone, and both him and Sufal were from the Czech League, not a league most people look at in order to get players. Ben Rama was a player from Brentford in the championship that got a lot of buzz, but only the amount of buzz you'd expect from a, a very good championship player. So 
people didn't really think he was going to be a huge game changer. He didn't really get the headlines. And that was the same thing with uh, Bowen. Craig Dawson, Virgil Van Dawson, is alone from championship side Watford. We're looking to buy him permanently. And Watford fans do not like him and don't rate him. Yet he scored four goals and has been a wall in the defense. And Jesse Lingard is also a lone player from Manchester United that everyone thought was washed up. Yet he has come in and has scored four and assisted one in only six matches. Like these are not necessarily players that you think would be amazing game changing players, but they have because he's able to pick really cheap options who he knows will make a difference. And even our transfers out, which seemed bad at the time, have been fine. We had Snodgrass to West Brom, Allaire to Ajax, Philippe Anderson to Porto, and Dan Ghana to West Brom, which is the only one that I would have taken back because I still think he's going to be a great left winger. But, you know, still. And even if we're not getting investment, Moyes is playing smart. But the one thing that you mentioned, Jack, which I have to mention because I think this is actually of like the, the X factor, like the most important factor in West Ham doing well is that the club just believes in themselves. And that's the most, I know that's the corniest <laughs> thing I could possibly say, but he's built an atmosphere that, that I think is so good that it has to be the number one factor in the fact that West Brom is not West Brom. West Brom is <laughs> terrible. West Ham <laughs> is in fifth place. He brings in hard workers. Suchek literally bled from his eyebrow and still got up to defend. Sufal comes in and trains on his days off and rice takes the man's little captain despite only being 22 like the atmosphere of hard workers is something that he's really drilled in he picks players that are fit that mold of just hard working kind of i mean you know when you think of the the demographic of west ham that's kind of west ham's you know working class kind of kind of deal the plays he bring the players he brings in doesn't have to be superstars like many fans want them to be he brings in players who work hard and will run through a brick wall for the club. And he brings in cl- players that get along. The personalities complement each other. Many people thought when Lingard came in that his social media antics would hurt the club, but that was the complete opposite. He and Rice get along great. He gets along great with everybody. He loves being with the club. And the thing that really like sets it apart for me is the fact that, I don't know if you saw this goal celebration against Spurs uh, where Lingard, I, 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 Bowen, yeah. Fornals, Rice, they played in a band after the, after the goal uh, was confirmed by VAR, which was just, it really showed their togetherness. And both Rice, Noble, who has now signed a one-year extension, ne- next season's going to be his last. Uh, he's uh, Rice has been here for a long time since he was in the academy. Noble has been here since since for the past you know 18 years he's been a part of the 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 first team and they've been saying that this is one of the best atmospheres at west ham that they've been a part of and that has to be a a huge factor Uh, jack do you think that actually matters in how well a team plays or is this just is that just something that people say in order to have a nice feel-good story no i think i think it is a big part of it because um i'm thinking just as a Chelsea fan, what uh, in the few weeks before Lampard got fired, right? There, there were a ton of comments about how it was a negative atmosphere, how like players were frozen out if uh, like and like if they weren't playing regularly, they just got no contact from the coaching staff. Yeah, it was that was some dire situations. Yeah, like I, I actually I think that it has a big factor on results, and I think I mean that you're probably right that a lot of it has to do with are are they getting along well with each other and like it it seemed I, I remember we both commented at the beginning of the season like it seemed like no it doesn't seem like that's going to happen at all because of uh you know mark noble publicly commenting on how disappointed yeah. he was in yeah. west ham's decision to sell uh, i think it was grady diangana i think yep yep and uh and you know i we we both said like this does not seem like a club that's going to do well there's too many problems it looks like but no, we, I mean, it, I, I think we've seen that they all are, they're a unit, they're a team. They, they, like, you can say, I mean, technically all of these are teams in the Premier League, but, you know, some of them feel a lot more like a team than others. And West Ham looks and plays like a team. Uh, when, when, uh, when one person does well, it feels like they all do well. 
and if if one per if if one person takes an L, they all they all take that L together and you know right. use it to use it uh, to go forward and do better the next time. And I I honestly think that you're you're kind of right with that. A lot of it has to do with that. But uh, I guess one question that I have for you then, as a West Ham fan, sure, this season potentially looking at the best finish in the Premier League or tied for the yeah. best finish. Like True. in in the Premier League era, where do you go from here? What do you do next? Like, if you're David Moyes, what is the next step? Is it just to keep on doing what's happening, or do you do you change something up, or do like something different? What do you think? Yeah, well, I I think I think we really have to speak with towards how big of a just weird toss up this entire season has been. Given the fact that many West Ham fans, I think there was an optimism survey at the beginning of the oh, yeah. year where, where West Ham was like dead last and it wasn't even close. We were like 8% of West Ham supporters were optimistic about the season and the next like lowest one was like 32. Like we were just, we just were like, we're going to get 21st place. They're so going to add another team and we're going to finish below that. I remember that survey. Yeah. And now we're here currently in fifth place. We have some hard games ahead of us but like when you ask where do we go it's hard to answer because we didn't even know we were going to be here and so i think next season it has to be all about maintaining where we are making sure that this this season wasn't just a, a one-off thing it's just because we don't have any fans it's just because uh, oh uh a lot of other teams who couldn't spend as much as they could so our cheapness was actually fine. Like, e- e- even if we get fifth place this season, which would be amazing, and we get eighth, seventh, even ninth next year, that would still, in my mind, be a positive movement because we're confirming that, yeah, we are a top half team. We do challenge with the top six. We can do this. It's, it's going to be hard. I know a lot of people in the West Ham community, when we almost got relegated, our goal was, okay, we're going to work our way up. For the next couple seasons, we're going to try to be a, a solid, really solid mid-table club. That's where West Ham thought they'd be. But now that we're here, now that we're challenging for the top four, we kind of have to set our expectations lower for next season and really think about how do we maintain our momentum and not try to fumble the bag that we have right now. But Jack, I'm going to ask you, uh, before we kind of wrap things up, the question, the big question, can this continue? Can this form going towards the end of the season and maybe on to next season, does this continue? As someone who isn't a West Ham fan, and I, I was just talking about uh, where we go until next season, I, that's, where I, that's where West Ham fans would like to go, but do you think that they can actually do that? Do you think we can actually continue this momentum? Well, it's, it's tough to say uh, because... A lot of it depends on several different factors. For one, like if yeah. if West Ham successfully get into Europe, do they have the squad depth to compete in two competitions at once? Because, you know, a lot of like Manchester City could theoretically field like an entire team of defenders. Uh, I saw <laughs> I, like they, they could literally field an entire starting 11 out of just first team defenders. Like that West and, and they'd still win the league. <laughs> and they'd still to win the fair. league. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it, that that's the thing. Like they, they'd still do very well. And uh, I, it, that's the only concern I'd have for West Ham. Like if, if they get into Europe, it would be a great accomplishment, but it also could come at a pretty significant cost for them because it, it takes a lot to compete in Europe. Like it, no matter really, there's a very few exceptions to that almost every club feels that kind of that kind of crunch and i mean manchester city might be the only exception to that rule at the, at this sure. point in time and you know because of that it could make it risky but ultimately i think if david moore sticks with this system and you know he brings in like these these moneyball type signings you know like like you said like yeah. kind of on on face value look like really weird signings but turn out to be really good because of certain qualities that fit the team like if he makes three more of those signings in this upcoming window 
and and then making it into Europe. I think you're you're probably a few signings away from just being able to compete uh, in multiple competitions like really well. And and then it's just about, you know, can you keep the same level? And that that's going to be a little bit tougher, I think, because it, it, it just depends. A lot of West Ham squad is getting pretty old. I think Cresswell, yeah. Antonio, and Noble are all in their 30s, and Fa- Fabianski mm-hmm. is in his 30s as yep. well. So you, you're going to have to start thinking about that. There a lot like Mark Noble already can't play every single game uh, for, for the club, and uh, Mikhail Antonio might get up to that point pretty soon in the next season or two. Uh, Cresswell... Is looking honestly seems to be getting better with age for like a, yeah I don't know what's going on there but he, <laughs> he's is, aging like wine yeah what the hell? he's like he's like Olivier Giroud right there that that's that's what that's what he is he he's just the left back Olivier Giroud or is Giroud the striker Hopefully. Cresswell uh, but <laughs> you know it, it's it seems like there there's a lot of room there's a lot of things that seem very positive but at the same time West Ham also have to be very careful. To not because uh, you know growing too fast in this could be far too unsustainable and do a lot more damage in the in the short term, but uh, or in the long term, I should say. But I I ultimately think that West Ham can sustain like being a top half club if they keep with the same kind of same kind of stuff they're doing for a good like half decade at least, and then challenge even further potentially. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm gonna have to really agree. Uh, this is a stars align moment. There's so much going right that if something goes wrong, we'll see like this entire pyramid crumble. Last year we had Fabianski out for the first half, and we had a terrible <laughs> backup in Roberto, and it destroyed. It absolutely destroyed us. So if we end up getting serious injuries due to match congestion from Europe or wherever next season, then it's game over. Like if we had Og- we had Ogbana, Antonio, and other players out with injuries and we managed to survive but imagine if rice or suchek or if sufal or cresswell or fabianski gets injured Uh, we we have good backups but they're just not as good as them we have the mentality to keep on going we have big games coming up against arsenal everton chelsea that's going to be a big one we're going to have i think we're going to have an entire deep dive on that game before that game happens might have to do a live watch or something for that yeah exactly leicester city and manchester united that will dictate where we finish if we can keep our momentum within the club up and win maybe two or three of those big games, then we'll be in the running for top four because the other games are relatively easier. But if we're talking about sustaining till next year, like, like you said, if we don't open the checkbook and sign players, it doesn't have to be shiny, great players, just very good utility players. We're going to fail in Champions or Europa League, and it's going to hurt us in the Premier League. You can't enter all these competitions and just expect to win without serious investment in personnel, especially with, let's face it, a paper-thin squad that we have right now. Our squad depth is just not very good in many, many spots. It's just not going to cut it. And in that sense, the situation is very delicate. If, if, if something falls apart in terms of our injuries, it's over. If we add and drop players and suddenly our atmosphere changes for the worst, then it's game over. If fans come back and somehow that hurts us, because I'll have you know, the only game that we lost like that was really, really bad in terms of we definitely should have won that was a Manchester United game at London Stadium oh. where we choked choked the lead to lose 3-1. Only, only game with fans. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. So it's all very, very delicate. And I don't have that much trust in the board and in the ownership to really invest and do what's best for the club i don't think Moyes can save us forever so will it continue that's the that that's the question jack the verdict give us give us a yes or no answer for do you think it could continue this season and can do you think it continue in the next couple seasons i'm gonna say yes for this season and i'm gonna bend the rules a little for the for the rest of them and say potentially i'll say potentially I'm going to say for this season, I think so, yes. And next season, I have serious doubts, no. And <laughs> okay. that's just me as a West Ham and like Minnesota sports fan, like being Used like. to disappointment. Yeah, I'm just like, hey, we're here. It's a lot of fun. I, I'm just glad to be here. 
And with that, those are two big stories. I think we covered those great. We talked about Christian Pulisic and West Ham United. Jack, before we leave this episode off with a bang, would you like to say anything to our listeners? Uh, well, as always, check out the Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show. Uh, you know, we AJ and I like like we said, finishing up midterm season, so we're able to post a lot more, and hopefully, we'll be able to interact with a lot more people on there. And uh, you know, we have we have an exciting few episodes coming up, so be on the lookout for the next week or two of episodes because they're going to be great. Yes. Follow us there at Final Third Show. Also on Instagram. Also at and at Final Third Show. And as always, follow us wherever you listen to us on your podcasting platform of choice, whether that's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. If it is Apple Podcasts and you're still listening to this at this point, give it a rating. I think we I think we've earned it. Give us a five star rating. Turn on notifications. And as always, if you're listening this far, I think. You have to be a fan of the show. So go tell a friend right now, like right at the second, text them right now. Be, tell them that they should listen to The Final Third, a US-centric podcast on Spotify or wherever. Tell your dad even. That helps so much with growth. And yeah, we'll appreciate it so much if you do any or all of those things. And we'll see you guys next week on Monday for our news and prediction show. And same time, same place for our deep dive. See ya. Bye for now.